Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Whether you're a first-time listener, one of our regulars, or one of those who has committed to journaling with us through the Bible, thank you so much for listening and making us a part of your day. This is episode 34, season one of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 42. The title of today's podcast is A Dreamer's Dream. And our key verse for today is 42, verse 21, where Joseph's brothers said to one another, Honestly, we are guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. This is the word of the Lord. In our text today, we see that the famine that had started in Egypt spread out, and it also affected Canaan. And Jacob is there with his sons. And I love how the chapter begins in verse 1 because they're facing famine. They're clearly suffering. The herds have undoubtedly suffered and shrunk. Uh, The grain is scarce. And Jacob says to his sons, why are you all just standing around looking at each other? And he goes on to say that he had heard in Egypt that there was grain for sale and encouraged the sons to go down to Egypt to buy grain. But he doesn't send all of them because we are told explicitly that Benjamin stayed behind. I can't imagine why Jacob was so concerned about sending the youngest son on a journey with his brothers, considering uh, what had happened to Joseph the last time that Jacob had sent one of the younger sons with his brothers. And in verse 6, we are told that Joseph, who is now the governor over the whole land of Egypt, was the one who was selling all of the grain to the people of the land. I do think it's important for us to know that in Scripture, we often see pictures or stories of people doing things where we know that there was many more people doing them. This idea that Joseph is the one who is selling the grain. It's not like there was only one kiosk at the grocery store and there is only one cashier or one person checking everybody out. No, What this means is that Joseph was in charge of all the grain, and at this point in time, his responsibilities had shifted from harvesting and storing the grain now to supervising the sale of that grain, and Joseph, being the overseer of that operation, is listed as the one who was doing that work because he was the one who was responsible for the work, not because he was doing it all by himself. And when the brothers come and present themselves to Joseph, We're told that they bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Here in this verse, the first dream that Joseph had dreamt about his brother's sheaves bowing down to him has been fulfilled. They, of course, have no idea that they are fulfilling the dream of Joseph. They don't recognize Joseph. They have no idea what is going on. But isn't that the way that it often goes in this life where people fulfill the will of God without even realizing it? Imagine how many people are out there who don't even have an idea that God exists or are living their lives absolutely convinced that God doesn't exist, who are fulfilling the plan of God in the midst of their unbelief. And so these brothers have no idea that the first dream, the dream that they hated Joseph for, the dream that they were willing to kill Joseph for, had just been fulfilled in their own actions. And he treats them rather roughly. He accuses them of being spies, of being dishonest men. In verse 42, it says that it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. He is very rough with his brothers. He's accusing them here of spying. He's accusing them of treachery. 
the sorts of crimes that get people either killed or thrown into jail for a very, very, very long time. But as he was treating them this way, the brothers, they were trying to demonstrate their innocence, and they tell Joseph a little bit of their own story, and they mention the fact that they have a brother who was no more, found it fascinating that they didn't say that he had died, and that there was another brother who was still there with the father. And and Joseph says, okay, fine. You want to come here? You want to buy grain? You want to engage in trade with us? All you've got to do to prove that you are honest men, as you say you are, is to bring that younger brother back here, which is, I think, a reasonable request for somebody whose job it is to ensure the security and the safety of his own nation, to test the words of the people who had come to him. But we know that Joseph has a selfish motive in this because he hadn't seen his brother since he was just a little kid at the oldest. It had been decades now that Joseph has been serving in Egypt, decades since he had been sold into slavery. And he wants to see his little brother alive for the first time in in many, many years. He had never had an adult conversation with his younger brother because his younger brother was just a young kid when he was sold off into slavery. And Joseph allows the brothers to go on the condition that Benjamin, the younger brother, comes back, but also on the condition that one of them would stay, that one of them would stay in prison, that one of them would take the place of the 10 other brothers under the law and serve out a prison sentence until the others returned. And Simeon is the one who steps forward and takes that responsibility. The brothers were arguing with each other in Hebrew, not realizing that Joseph knew what they were talking about as they were trying to decide who would be the one who would stay behind. And they even acknowledged the fact that the reason why this evil had befallen them is because of what they had done to the younger brother, Joseph. They had no idea how right they were with what they said. And so they're arguing about it. They're blaming each other. They're criticizing each other. They're lamenting the decision they had made to sell Joseph into slavery. And we are told that in listening to them that he wept. He made sure that there was an interpreter between them so they wouldn't recognize that he knew what they were saying. But in listening to his brothers argue about what they had done to him, he is reduced to tears and he has to leave. And Simeon is the one who was left behind is for us a type of Christ. to got a red Cairo there on verse 24 because he was the one who stayed in prison so that the others could be freed. So Joseph sends his brothers back to Jacob, back to Canaan. Simeon, of course, staying with him in Egypt, but he gave them back the money that they had paid for their grain. They gave them the grain that they needed for their journey, gave them the grain that they had purchased with their own money. And when they got back, they recognized that not only was the grain in the bags and donkeys, but the money that they had used to pay for the grain was also in the sacks of grain. And they were terrified. What does this mean? They had no idea who they were dealing with. They had no idea why they had been given their money back. And they were dismayed. They were frightened, terribly afraid, because they knew that the only way their families were going to survive is if they were able to continue to go down to Egypt and engage in trade and to be able to buy grain to keep their families alive. You know, what some would consider was a fortunate turn of events and their money still being in their bags, they took as a terrible omen that things were not going to go well with them down 
in Egypt. When the brothers return to Jacob, Jacob is undoubtedly relieved that they are there, but he is also bereaved. He had been bereaved of Joseph. He is now bereaved of Simeon and the sons and telling their father what had happened and transpired and how Joseph said that he wouldn't let them go unless Benjamin came back with them. Jacob is cut all the way to the heart. And he says to his boys, beginning in verse 36, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. And so Jacob is so focused on his grief, so focused on his loss, that he isn't appreciating what the sons had done for him, wasn't appreciating the gift of this grain that would mean life for him and his family. No, all he can think about is the difficulties that he has experienced in this loss now of Simeon, the second son that he had lost. Either though he knows that he isn't dead, he is convinced apparently that he is never going to see him again, conjures up all the losses of the past, Joseph, Rachel, and touches his deepest fear that Benjamin, little baby Benjamin, the son of his old age, his youngest son, the only living Reminder that he has of his beloved Rachel is going to be taken from him or they're all going to die. And that is the note on which this story ends. With Jacob and 10 of his sons now out of the 12, lamenting and mourning their loss and convinced that there is nothing but pain and suffering for them in the future. How often do we find ourselves like Jacob, stuck in the past, stuck in our grief, stuck in our guilt, stuck in our shame, and unable to move forward. That is where Jacob is at the end of this chapter. And so we're going to conclude our podcast today with a blessing that even when you find yourself like Jacob, pressed beyond your limits, that God himself would have mercy and somehow redeem the evil that you are suffering with. Have you decided to journal through the Bible, whether for yourself or a loved one? Please let us know through the contact form at familybiblejourney.com so that we can send you some encouragement and add you to our list of folks who have committed to journaling through the Bible with us. Our blessing for today. When God presses you beyond your limit, may he send you rescue and redemption in the midst of your struggle. Amen.